0: Welcome to the Being an Engineer podcast. Our guest today is Chris Bridgewater, who is CEO at Delta Development Team, where uh, they innovate and manufacture ruggedized thermal systems specializing in military applications. Chris, welcome to the show.
1: All right. Thanks for uh, having me.
0: You bet. You bet. Super excited to talk with you and and hear all about your background and, and uh, hopefully you can share some wisdom and insight with us.
1: Yeah, I hope I can.
0: Um, so one of the, the phrases in that introduction, ruggedized thermal systems, is really interesting to me. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? What What is a ruggedized thermal system?
1: Yeah, so basically the, the U.S. military is, uh, can be one of the, the End users has, has the harshest time on your equipment, right? They they abuse your equipment. Um, they're gonna push it to the brink, and everything has to be really top notch. And uh, that's why there's a there's a reason that there's mil spec, right? And it's usually higher than most other industrial standards that you'll find. And so you know we, we make these thermal management systems for uh, for medical applications, non-medical applications um, and non medical applications and and they have to withstand some of the harshest conditions on Earth, and they have to have a, a wide spectrum of operation. You know, we have to operate – they have to be able to – the same piece of equipment has to be able to be stored at negative 60 Fahrenheit and, and be stored at 160 Fahrenheit and has to operate between negative 25 Fahrenheit and up to 125 Fahrenheit out in the sun, you know, in the middle of a blizzard, whatever conditions you might come across and you, you can't have like a you can't have like a winter package or a summer package that that piece of equipment is just to be able to roll out and and go from the uh, a blizzard in Afghanistan to the scorching heat in, in iraq um all in one unit
0: and can you give us an example like a specific example what is a thermal management system what what's an application for which that would be used
1: yeah so we, when we talk about thermal management we we're, we're kind of talking about like in the higher level of you know, thermodynamics, um, because we started out in uh, in refrigeration and then we, were, we got asked to do a few other things that didn't mean uh, we're, not refrigeration, we're not refrigeration systems. Uh, and so they were, you know, basically warming systems, heating systems, things like that. And so we just had to call it thermal management because that's, that's what we're doing is we're just managing the thermal load of whatever. The customer asks us to do. You know, they may have something that needs to be warmer, and, and never that device that we make is never going to cool anything down. Or we may make a device that's only going to cool things down and never make it warmer. Or we make a device that does both. So we, it was kind of a um, it was a compromise. Thermal management was, was our way of compromising of having a short and sweet um, uh, catchphrase for our company that uh, that was easy to understand.
0: And would this be used for, for example, like transporting, you know, blood or, or organs? Or is it primarily for transporting or, or storing biological uh, tissue or, or other things as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've, so we've got a few different products we're working on. And the one you referenced, the transporting of blood, that's that's the flagship product, as we call it. We we um, started a company, I, I gathered a team of, of uh, three other individuals, and we started a company for the to make a a, a, a new blood cooler um, refrigeration system. And then on top of that, we have some other contracts. Uh, we have other contracts with the Army and contracts with the Marine Corps, everything from environmental control units to very large um, shipping containers that are refrigerated ship containers with just more insulation, more efficiency, things like that. So. Uh, yeah, it's it's a wide spectrum of of whatever uh, um, whatever you might need thermally managed, whether it's people or or medical products or food or um, I mean there's electronics, aircraft, there's all kinds of things that uh, we're being asked to look at and asked to uh, to to do um, in in the DoD space.
0: Okay, I'm I'm going to rewind just a little bit, um, going back towards the beginning of your career. Uh if I'm not mistaken, you started out in construction and carpentry, and then you moved into the army in uh kind of that that same role. How did you make that transition into the army? How did you decide that i I want uh take these skills that I have and and roll them into an army based role? uh
1: yeah, so I guess i guess so i've I was doing construction since I was like twelve years old um and uh working since I, was, since I was 12 so um and then just growing up the the military was always sort of in the in the background I had a lot of family members that served uh, a lot of a lot of friends that joined um that they were older than me you know working on a site where you're 12 most i was probably the youngest guy there so most people are you know uh 18 or, or in their 20s or whatever that I'd hang out with and they joined. um and i i joined in in 2003 so you know it's kind of in the in the midst of the um surge and and you know big effort in iraq and all that stuff and everything else was going on so for me it was just it was just and there's a lot of other stuff going on too um in my life that made the army a, a really uh um, kind of the best choice for me there's times were times were uh harder um back then than there are for now for sure um and so, so, it, you know, doing, you know, the reason I could get a job at 12 years old, it's it, it most, most the only job you can get is like, you know, construction or labor or things like that. And I was just sweeping floors and, and, and uh bending, bending nails, picking up nails and things like that. And so when I joined the army, they had, they had a job for um a, a carpenter. And I sort of got this romantic vision in my mind of, I wanted to be building a, a, a shelter for some, um, uh, for in some third world country to to help better people's lives, you know, and over there. And, and um, so that's, and that's why I joined. And I did eventually get to get to do that. Um, but then throughout my uh, 13 years of being in the army, I had to do just a lot of great stuff. You know, I, I because of my, I was an enlisted guy. And so I was came in as a carpenter measuring specialist, but then I got cross trained to be an electrician, a heavy equipment operator. Um, a plumber, uh, um, all kinds of stuff. Got a lot of, lot of different experience, doing a lot of different things all over the world. So, um, just got a lot of really great experience, and, and I was in a lot of unique um, situations. Uh, my career of a carpenter was not typical for most um, engineers that you would you would talk to coming out of the out of the conventional army. Um, so, so I had a lot of experience, which led into uh, knowing the the need of um, blood cooling and and blood warming and, and medical stuff, so I was, I was basically I was involved in a lot of you know had to do a lot of medical practice stuff, and um, um, on the on the very very limited level, you know very first responder kind of uh, stuff, um, giving giving an IV or something like that. So not not very major stuff, but I, I still learned about those things. And so, just as an engineer learning about HVAC, I learned about HVAC when I was in, and so learning about refrigeration cycles and and all that stuff, thermodynamics, and then um, rolling that into you know combining that with the needs that I learned about through my experiences, um, and then there's a whole another set of story, and then I ended up here.
0: Okay, so uh, are you saying that your your technical, or would it be fair to say that your technical background largely came from your experience? Uh, serving in the military,
1: right. So, yeah, my technical experience of where I am now—I'd say I've learned more about engineering in the last five years that I've been out than uh, when we're talking about like traditional engineering, like what you would learn in a, in a university setting, or you know, to to become someone that calls themselves a mechanical engineer or something like that. I learned more about that kind of engineering um, in the last five years than I did when I was in. I'd say that. You know we could just classify everything i did in the army as um you know as construction engineering so yeah i learned about i learned about you know um, head pressure and and you know electrical loads and electrical theory and things like that but it wasn't really like i wasn't really equipped with the knowledge needed to actually like sit down and invent my own refrigeration system i could go repair them and braze on them and, and calculate load cycles and microfarads and requirements and all that stuff but it, you know, it's not—it's not everything you need um, by far to do this. And I'd say that more of what I learned was been more valuable, um, what's been more applicable in the last five years of of this company and everything I've done is the is the leadership, the experiences that I learned in the military, and the um, just that connection to the end user and and the you know giving myself uh it's given me um. A strong sense of uh, purpose and, and direction of where I'm going, and it's just strong enough. Um, that's what's been strong enough to kind of lead this whole company forward with a a set of goals that hey, I'm I know exactly why we're doing this. Um, I, I've been there. I know how it's going to be used, um, and and I know the people that are going to use this. So um, it's it's kind of defined my my path going forward. So. I would say that that yeah the the technical stuff it gave me a good base foundation to learn about engineering stuff but what's been more useful and more applicable is is the leadership and and the use case scenarios.
0: There's there's a lot there that I, I want to kind of unpack and, and talk about. I hate that word unpack. I can't believe it, I just used it. But <laughs> <Sorry>. um, <laughs> um, uh, maybe let's start with uh, you mentioned. Uh, So much of your technical background, especially your more current technical background, comes from, uh, I guess you could call it, um, on the field training or experience. And uh, when I graduated college, I I did a mechanical engineering degree, I graduated college, there was very little that I had learned in school that I could take and directly apply and be immediately useful to my first employer.
1: Yeah.
0: most of the value that I ended up being able to provide to my employer was what I learned you know on the job. Now, you work with several degreed engineers. Um, do you have any any feelings or experience about um, how useful is what you learn in school versus what you really just pick up in a professional working environment?
1: yeah, so let me let me start by saying uh, to that question that um whatever i say next i want to say that that you know there, there is there is it is important to have uh formal degrees in place and and getting a mechanical engineering degree or getting an engineering degree is is highly valuable um now to just to, to put on my ceo hat and, and talk about um um the, you know there's a, there's a lot in that question right i mean there's uh well I've, I've done interviews of, of you know, I put a job call and I get, you know, I get 100 applications um, for one position. And it's pretty, it's pretty easy to weed through them really quick because you ask, you know, basic questions about uh, programming or electrical theory or, um, you know, uh, uh, thermodynamics or something like that. And, and, you know, you get these answers and it's like, even me as a, as a non-degree engineer, um, I realize this. That this person isn't really aware of what they're talking about and they, they don't really know the true world applications of how to apply these concepts that they they've learned about and they've talked about for the last four years. Um, and, and that's really disheartening about the not necessarily on the individual, because, you know, these individuals could be a, a 4.0 GPA uh, student on, on the honors and, and, and involved in all kinds of stuff, but, you know, they can't sit down and, and crank out a, a basic solid model for me. And OnShape or SolidWorks or something like that. They can't do a basic load calculation in an Excel spreadsheet. They can't do basic C programming or something like that. Um, and that's that's really no fault of the individual. That's really on I think that's a statement about um, the degree plans and, and what what those look like in this day and age. Um I hope that answers your question.
0: Yeah, no, I agree hundred percent with everything you just said. What what advice would you give to uh students right now that might be listening to this podcast who want to maximize their chances of finding a great job out of college
1: i would say you know if you if you want to be an engineer and you want and you want to design stuff and you want to uh, you want to build stuff um i mean at the end of the day if you're if you're going for a E or ee or, or something like that um your your dream is probably to be designing something and probably to be designing something that's going to be um life-changing to to some group of individuals um, and i would say that get into that field as quickly as possible at, at a minimum as a volunteer um, go be involved with that community uh, you know um you know look look for companies that are willing to let you shadow their engineers or you know and be willing to do grunt work um as far as um and grunt work in the engineering world is, is a lot different you know there's I've got i got spreadsheets of data that come out. We get, you know, um, one of our data sets, we'll get basically a equivalent of 15 Excel workbooks with with you know, each one has 300,000 lines of of data on it that goes out. I don't know how many how many columns it goes out, but you know, those are all data points that are taken every second over the, Sorry. Next, I didn't think- the next 25 days over the 25 days and I, I need a I need a I need to take all those things. And, and make a graph. I need mean, to make one graph out of all that stuff um, for for my customer to see. And and that's the kind of grunt work that you know you could be doing as either unpaid or a paid intern. Um, you know, I, I'm even willing at some of my paid internships. Um, um, I I let I'll have all the intern um, you know, who makes half of what my engineers make um, do the same work that the engineers doing. And it, and just to kind of give them the experience and let them see what they need to be doing, so they can learn how to do those things. I I fully expect it to be wrong, and that's okay because that's why I'm, that's why I'm having the other engineer do it too. That's why I'm having the degree engineer do it too. Um, but you know, just just look for those opportunities. Get in that get involved in that community. Um, anything you can do, invest in yourself. Invest in your time. When I got out of the army, I, I went right into getting a degree in mechanical engineering and. Um, um, I I immediately invested in in uh, computers and uh, that could and a computer that could run SolidWorks and uh, and, and got the SolidWorks student license. Um, I was still taking like basic general education courses, but I knew that's what I what I needed to do to accomplish the things I wanted to do, and so I I got right into it. And so um, I. I bought the the books that um, I studied like I was gonna like I was gonna take the PE exams and the FE exams and things like that, just to really bring up my knowledge. So when I did get to those engineering courses, that um, you know, by the way, I, I ended up dropping out of all that because the company was um, taking off. Um, when I did get to those courses, you know, it was a little bit easier to handle that stuff. And then when we started using it in the in the real world, and my because I have a I have a uh, my chief engineer is a, is a PE um and he's been you know he graduated from the u of a dameki in like i don't know 1989 or something like that so he's been doing this for a very long time um but i needed to be able to speak with him on, on his level and and i just went out and, and just just kept my nose in the books like every every book i could find on stuff and learning terminology and, and if they're um because i started out when i got you know i got the army i was an employee at another company Working with engineers, I was just a I was a technician, right? So I was just putting things together for them. And I would just I would hear them talk about stuff, and I'd write that stuff down. I'd go research it later, figure out what they're talking about, and then just ask them questions. Um, and uh, and just just you know work for free basically, and did that grunt work. I am gonna say that that as the owner of a of a of a company, and a and a leader of engineers, um, those are the kind of things that that. I look forward not to the degree that I do, um, because if you work to the, the degree that I do, then then you should run your own business. But you know, you um, I, I want to see some flavor of what I'm doing, some some major effort. You know, if you come in here and you you know you act like you you know everything and, and um, you've got your degree and you want to put that on the wall and you you want a whole bunch of money per hour. Um, you kind of prove to me that, that, you know, you're going to make the company that amount and more um, because every single person in the company, including myself, has to generate more revenue for the company than what we cost. Right. And I so- think that's such a,
0: a great point. Yeah. As, as a fellow business owner, I see the same thing. It's so easy and of no fault of their own because um, employees, they see a different side of the coin than we do. Right. But, You, everyone on the team needs to be able to generate more revenue than it costs to employ them. Uh, I think that's a great point for any young engineers, engineering students to keep in mind is that you need to be able to provide enough value that you're going to generate more revenue for your company than it costs to employ you. And another thing, um, I feel like this is changing, but it's kind of still the mentality where If you want to become an engineer, there's this set path, right? You go to university, you take your classes, you get a good enough GPA, and then you go out into into the workforce. And I love what you did. You jumped into university. You did it for several years, but you didn't just rely on the college to dictate your path. You kind of took destiny in your own hands. You figured out, I need to understand this to excel at my ultimate goal. So I went out and figured out, who I need to talk to and who I needed to work with to gain that experience. And then, you know, whatever it was, two, three years into it, your company started taking off. So instead of saying, well, I need to finish my degree because, you know, that's the path. You said, no, the path is to achieve my goals, one of which is this company. And that's where it's taking me right now. So I'm going to, you know, put school on side and just focus on, on, on the goal, which is the company. So I, I love that. Uh, the, the piece of paper to me is less and less relevant. Um, you know, the further we get into the future here. And I, I think that mindset and mentality is changing.
1: Yeah. And I, I'd say one of the things is real quickly on that is, is I, I suggest people that want to be engineers, that, especially in the Mechies, is to go take courses at the, at the technical colleges that are around them. And, um, and, and welding and, and, and HVAC, there's a lot of, um, you know, construction trades that these these colleges offer. And, and I recommend they go take at least one class, you know, it's, it's what, like 150 bucks, 300 bucks, something like that. You go there and, and you may fail the class and that's totally fine, but that's gonna teach you um, just how hard it is to, to assemble something or put something together that you're trying to design. Um, helps you understand the plight of that technician that you're, you're designing stuff to be uh, assembled by.
0: Yeah, I, I love telling young engineers who are hungry for experience to go go to Goodwill and find some products and buy them for like $2 each. Then go tear them apart. See what yeah. they look like inside. How are they designed? How are they built? How are they assembled? I mean, there there's so much knowledge in uh, a $2, you know, 10-year-old trash product that is at mm-hmm. Goodwill, just available for anyone who wants to acquire it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
0: Um, Let's see. Jumping kind of back into the military service for just a second. uh, It looked like one of the roles that you held was as a liaison between uh, military personnel and and civilian resources. Can you talk just a little bit? how, How was being that bridge, so to speak, were, were there different communication styles required for the two different groups of people or was it all just you know pretty smooth?
1: No, it wasn't smooth at all, um, especially with um, a couple of the really large uh, companies that are out there um, that have a major contracts with the DOD that are three-letter acronyms. Um, those guys were the, some of the worst people that I've ever met um we literally had soldiers getting electrocuted and and you know because of their really bad work and because they just refused to follow the directions and they just thought oh this is just some you know army base in the middle of nowhere it doesn't need to be up to code um but there's no shortcutting electrical code right it's it's got you know grounding is grounding and there's no way around that so working working with those guys you know yeah i had to have um i had to have a different set of, of, uh, terminology, I, I working with those, uh, civilian contractors and, and inspecting their work and, um, uh, signing off on it and then ultimately getting them paid. Um, and then resolving issues too, you know, it, that, that were out there on the, on the battlefield. Um, I was part of a team to go around and inspect, um, a, def- a bunch of different work sites that were, were being done and just found a lot of, uh, fraud, waste and abuse, uh, coming from, you know, American contractors, American contracting companies and and people on the ground that just didn't care. Um, I will say that the, um, floor, the, as a major, um, contract company, they're, they were stellar They They came in and they just fixed so many things for free. Like they, you know, they went outside of their, their contract agreements to make sure that we had everything we need. Um, we, as in soldiers that were there. Um, so I give Give major props to them. They taught me a lot of great stuff. Those guys there. Um, I still talk to a lot of them. I've been friends with them for the last you know 11 years now. Um, so they they were they were great. Um, and part of so part of that experience is what drove me to make this company is that, uh, and that's it's kind of in our in our mission statement and our our employee handbooks and our culture culture handbook is that, you know we, my goal there are a lot of there's in and my industry. So that was construction. And now we're in the, in the, you know, thermal management and there are a lot of other companies in this industry and they suck and they make all kinds of false claims and false promises and, and, you know, mind, and, and it may, they, those products may work great in the civilian sector, but they make these claims in the DOD side of things. And I can tell you that, that it just doesn't work. all right, And, and, um, um, it's a hindrance to the war fighters. And so our focus is that, we are we're transparent with our end users we are we are we support them 100 um we we do not compromise uh quality um if it's if it's a hard challenge we don't go with the easy solution we we figure out a way to make that solution work we figure out that challenge and, and make it work um and it's it it you know maybe you can you can kind of hear me getting passionate about it and i a and I little do bit a little do bit it. i do you know I, I run this way i run this way so that um, we can be, we can be better, right? It's easy to be better than, than what's currently out there. And, and it's, it's all those lessons I learned with those contractors overseas. Um, it's part of what motivates me to, to have my own company and and be a contractor specifically to the DOD because I want to provide that better service to the guys that, that I was. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about, uh, your company a little bit how how did uh Delta development team get started
1: so basically what happened was we i i um i left the army and my last assignment like i'd say like five or six months I can't remember exactly i'd say about I had a little bit longer than that my my last deployment. I was uh, I was I was taken over for this lieutenant that was there and he said and and uh, I told him I was thinking about moving to Tucson and pursuing a degree in mechanical engineering um, because I wanted to focus on on like renewable energy stuff and uh, U of A had a good had a good program for that. Um, and the lieutenant I was replacing, he said, Oh, I grew up in Tucson, I went to University of Arizona and I got my degree in mechanical engineering from University of Arizona. And I used to work for this company there in, in Tucson, and I think they could use my like you and I said, oh, okay, great. So he got me in contact with with that company and then and then uh, the guy that was his boss um, hired me and so there were three employees at that company and um, we were there and and uh, I was I was working and of course my my nature is that um, I, I've been kind of an entrepreneur from 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 the get-go from since I was a little kid and I was always looking for a better way to, to make things better and I, of course I wanted to do stuff for the DOD because so that was an industry that I knew and I was passionate about, about getting back and helping those guys and, and I saw this. I kept seeing this this call for this for this blood cooler. And I, you know, I knew that the ones that, you know, I knew that basically the ones that we had were just unusable. And so, you know, I I said I try to convince this company I was working for to 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 do this. And 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 we we tried some experiments and it didn't really work out. And I said, you know, I I think I want to you know try this on my own. And so so. Um, i said all right they they uh um basically my two weeks notice and and then a few days later the other two engineers that were there they they said hey you know if you're going to do this we want to go with you and uh and i said all right well let's all let's will be partners and i knew a fourth guy that was actually here in tucson that was a um is a retired um special forces medic from the us army and so we you know i got in contact with him i said hey i'm doing this thing I could probably use your help um from the medical side of things, because he's, you know, he had you know, 25 years of experience doing, you know, tactical medical uh, operations. And, and he was like, yeah, sounds, like, sounds great. Let's do it. And so we, uh, the four of us formed the company. Um, the the other veteran and myself, we have uh, majority ownerships so or a service disabled veteran on a small business. Um, so when we started the, sort of the company, we got a, we got a subcontract um, to, to do a, a, a large, um, we had no money. I, I wanted to do the blood cooler, but we had, we had no money for it, and so um, we got a subcontract uh, to do the Tricon, um, which is a food food refrigeration system, and we made that more efficient. And then, and then through that, we just we got more contracts and more contracts. And and uh, I'd say that first year, um, just kind of talking about how that so we've been around for two years, um, we'll, and uh, we uh so it'll actually be 2 years in 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 august so um yeah so i founded i founded in august of of 2018 um and that first year as soon as we had money coming in i was on planes and i was all over the place i did i think i i think in 2019 i did about 180,000 miles in the air 200,000 miles in the air or something like that um just going to every single event meeting with every contracting officer i could meeting with anybody that i thought was gonna help get us some money um i i was knocking on the door and i was talking to them and i was showing them what we're doing and um um just through through all those efforts and the efforts of my my teammates here my co-owners um we've you know they they too they 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 were knocking on doors too and they were talking to everybody they knew and, and um um getting everybody we could could involved in it end users and customers and all kinds of stuff um and from there we've we've just grown like like i mean hardly a time for business development anymore it's it's not a great position to be in but um we're so busy with the contracts that we have and and just more contracts are coming off of those things without really a lot of effort um that the uh, i guess you could say the <clears throat> the the fruits of our labor have you know are 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 Upon us, and we're, we're reaping our harvest. or so whatever metaphor you want to use, um, but we put a lot of effort in that first year—just a lot of, you know, hundred-hour work weeks and all that—just just keeping things uh, to 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 get the word out about this new company.
0: Well, well, worse problems to have, I guess, right? Than yeah. too much
1: work. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Um, something I found interesting about your uh, uh, your your title or your role. Uh, this is on LinkedIn. It it didn't just say CEO. Um, yeah. Can't find the sentence I wrote down now that, but it, it was uh, something about you know leadership and motivation and uh, uh, equipping people. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah.
1: So, so I, so I have, I have, I have one main responsibility in this company um, that branches out into into two different. So on that one coin, that had this, that this one coin it has got two sides to it. So it's the same coin, but it's got two sides. And one side is leadership and one side is management. And on the leadership side, I provide purpose, direction, and motivation, right? And on the management side, I train, organize, and equip, okay? So on the management side, I make sure everybody's properly trained, properly organized, they know what they're doing, and they have the right equipment to do it. And I ask it, I, I, I keep it very plain and very simple. I ask, I ask those three things um, in my team meetings when we're doing a, a project sync meeting, you know, i may sit there the whole time and not not really say anything but those are the three things i'm going to ask i want to make sure that you 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 know what you're doing do i need to get you the right training to do this do we need to bring in somebody to train you how to do this and it's not the fault of, of that person like i am more than happy to, to spend the money on any amount of training that we need to have so that so that my team are experts in this i want to make sure they all understand their roles and responsibilities and, and what they're doing in this particular project and they have the right equipment to do it if we need a new tool if we need a new piece of software if we need what, i don't care what it is we we need to get it so that we can do this right i don't want to want to hamstring something together on the leadership side you know providing purpose direction and motivation um it's just it's those three things you can't i mean you can whatever definition you want they all boil down the same thing make sure that everybody understands what they're doing the direction we're going in and that and that they're motivated to do this if they want to be here and that they have they have real emotional buy-in into what we're doing and why we're doing it <laughs>
0: Do you find that you can actually motivate a person to do something, or does that person already have to have their own motivation?
1: So, everybody has their own motivations. And, you know, if you, you know, um, you absolutely, the, the question, the, the answer is that yes, you can motivate somebody to do uh, what they need to do, right? They're, they're tasked. Um, now, how that motivation happens. That's that's where the purpose comes in, right? You got to identify their purpose for doing this, right? So so you may have an you may have a you may have an employee, um, and this is speaking on the leadership side of things, right? Now as far as finding your self motivation, that's a whole nother conversation. But as a as a as a leader, right? And there's a difference between a manager and a leader, right? I want to make that very clear. There's there's a big difference in management and leadership, and if and if you're a leader. And you need to be adaptable to every single person that you're leading, right? And you got to find their purpose, and then you take that purpose, you identify that purpose, you hold on to that purpose, and that's what helps you generate the finding the motivation for that individual to show up to work every day. It may be that that person is only there, the only motivation for being there, is to is to put food on the table, and that's totally fine, right? And you want to make sure that, that 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 purpose is met. You want to make sure that that you are providing. As a leader, your your purpose is to make sure that their purposes are met. Okay, um, if it's for different experiences, you know, I got employees that, are, that want want uh, training and experience over a higher pay. I got some that want a higher pay over or better benefits or something like that, or they want to they want to work on a particular project. You know, they want to work on a particular um, uh, piece of technology or develop a piece of technology for for engineering purposes. So you got to identify all those things and, and then and then run with it.
0: This reminds me of Simon Sinek's book, "Start with Why." You know, it's what is the why behind your what you're doing. I think it's synonymous with purpose. How how have you been able to identify different people's purposes? Like, how how do you know what someone's purpose is?
1: I have very in depth counseling with all my employees um, from the from the interview to the to the first day that they're here. I mean, the first day that someone um, starts starts working with us, you know, I may spend, you know, five hours in the room with them and just just getting to know them, um, you know, on a, up until the, up until this uh, coronavirus thing, I would, I would every week I made it a point to take at least one of the employees um, to, to lunch and I would cycle that out and I would, you know, pay for the lunch, um, you know, out of, out of my own pocket and just, just make it an hour and a half to hour lunch and just talk to them. Um, whatever they want to talk about, I'll just just kind of get to know them and just let them talk and and uh, just hear what they have to say. Um, and then I just you know keep keep all that in my mind. And and uh, um, um, you know we we've all got our own own challenges. We've all got our own uh, paradigms that we're we're dealing with. And and uh, I, I try to track all that the best I can and and respect all that and uh, re- kind of revolve um, the the, um, the counseling, the, the formal counseling I do, you know, they, they identified the, the career path for, for that individual, um, within this company. Cause when I, everybody I've hired, everybody that works here that I envision they're going to work here for at least 10 years, like, like nobody's leaving. Right. And, and, um, because we're we're building a team, we're building a family here and and everybody's going to be very intimate with each other. And so I got to know those things. And so I had this career progression laid out based on all those, all those lunches, all those side conversations, all those, you know, whatever. Um, I, I I try to cater all that stuff as much as I can. I mean, there's, there's, there's comes a point where like it's a little bit, you you can't go too in depth and and something's got to, got to let go. But Um, to the best of my ability, to the best of my time available, I try to do the best I can. And that counts for a lot, counts for a lot really with the employees.
0: That's fantastic. That's huge. Um, We're getting towards the end of our time here. So maybe just one or two more questions. Um, Are there any best practices that you and your team have developed with respect to engineering and product development that you can share with us? Like, what are the checklists that you go through what are the, the, the approaches that you take to product development that have
1: uh, proven to be useful um, so <clears throat> you want to do sync meetings as much as possible not as well not as much as possible but you want to have you want to have the brainstorming sessions you want to foster those brainstorming sessions you want to provide that equipment a lot of whiteboards right um, sounds sounds like a simple answer but really whiteboards are are, are huge and, and sort of great on the spot uh, brainstorming I think there's I think we have you know four whiteboards for every employee that's here um so um you want to have that and then you want to um um get you want to bring the engineers and the uh, you want to bring the you want to bring the engineers the product development the the sales staff like you want to bring all them in in the very beginning um you want to have a really good set of, of standards for um and a process for product development you know there's the we use the the mission model canvas uh which is the same as the as the you know the business model canvas but it's, it's different for for dod stuff so the mission model canvas right like what are we trying to accomplish here and then every person has to input their their two cents on um how well they how how much success they think that that program is going to have um before even like investing in in, in uh basic designs or, or solid drawings or something like that um just just a lot of collaboration, a lot of open discussion. Um, and then to that in with, with the open discussion, like just being very frank with each other and, and uh, working with individuals, either you know, um, um, personalities, right. Getting down to the personalities. So that's, um, did I that answer your question?
0: Yeah. I hear a lot of, of different ways of saying communication, probably more than that, but definitely hitting hard on communication, which is, Something I've found to be the case as well. We have we have a virtual team. We're all kind of in the you know, same geographical space, but mostly we work from home. Uh, we have an office also, but a lot of times it's just more convenient and uh, honestly effective to to work from home. So that's what we do. And to keep everyone communicating, we'll we'll have a, a daily huddle. You know, everyone jumps on a, a Hangouts call. Uh, we do that every day, and then we also have what we call Launchpad, which is Monday every week. We spend a little bit more time, and everyone talks about what are we doing this week, what are the goals this week, yep. and it gives everyone really good sense for what's going on company wide, and then it gives you know the the project manager, engineering manager a chance to make sure that he knows each team member is really clear on on what they're supposed to be doing, so agreed 100%. Communication is so critical and Just yeah. finding tools to facilitate that.
1: Yeah, we have a company-wide one on Wednesday. All hands meeting on Wednesdays, every 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 Wednesday at the same time, and then throughout the week, Monday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, I have uh, uh, product-specific uh, project product and project-specific meetings where I sit on a, every single one of those. Um, and they may be not, you know, obviously not the whole company's in there, not every engineers in those meetings, but um, you know, at least have one person tracking. It doesn't be the CEO. It could be the CEO, It could be whatever. But have one person tracking, you know, every single uh, project that's going on and understanding the the conflicts, you know, scheduling conflicts between between all those things and the challenges going on. So yeah, definitely uh, sync meetings and 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 keep them quick, keep them short. Get in there, get your information out, figure out what the problems are, and then get out of there.
0: Yes, oh, I can't stand verbose people. I just can't stand it. Tell me what yeah. you need, and then leave. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm an engineer. Yeah. <laughs> Chit chat. Well, uh, last question. I'll we'll, we'll lighten it up a little bit what's the best compliment you've ever
1: received? Um, the best compliment I've ever received. There's one that sticks out in my mind. I got, man, it's been like, like a year or so ago. And I had just started doing this and I, I, I invested in, in some nice suits and, um, and I, I started this company. And I wore, you know, I had, I had a military haircut and get my face shaved and all that stuff. And I was, Wearing, wearing the suits and, and um, you know, the military is a lot about, you know, what we call dress right dress and it's very formal. And like, you know, we have gig, gig lines and shoes are shine and, and my shoelaces go right over left and a lot of different intricacies like that. And I sort of adapted that into the civilian um, attire and I, I wore my tie and, and all that stuff. And um, I was going to a lot of events here in Tucson. If I wasn't flying, I was, I was here in Tucson at some event, some small business event. And there's a there's a, a guy here that that he runs the uh, he runs the local chapter of the of the, of the Arizona Tech Council, and uh, and I he you know we run into all these events. We kept running into him. We kept running into him. Um, I'd say like the the 13th, 14th time that that ran into the same event, and he said he came up to me and and you know because when you're a small business and you're like oh I just started last month, people are like okay you know talk to me in two years and we'll see if you're still around right. And, uh, and it's like, well, no, I need you to talk to me now, so I'm around in two years. But anyway, it's like 13, 14 times this guy saw me after like four months and he comes up and he says, um, you know how I know you're serious about this? And then, so the, the event was a small business event. So everybody was there to pitch their idea to the US government, right? And so he says, he says you know how I know you're serious? Cause you show up every time dressed professionally and you act and you professionally and you look at all these other people around here and you know that they're just not serious about it. And um, and, and that for some reason, that sort of like even though I, I get strange looks about always being formal and always having to tie on, always always being being there at all these events until like I could tell you what was going to happen every second of the event over and over. Um, you know, it sort of felt like validation, like like it was it was noticed, it was appreciated by someone who's 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 a very much a, a superior in this in this industry in the tech industry. Um, it's been around for a long time and 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 he was, he was appreciative of the professionalism and he too always shows up you know professional i've seen him in a tuxedo at, at an event before so um you know it was it was um i'm sure i've I've received a much you know i've got other ones about a about a, a full colonel that stopped his car when i was in afghanistan he got out and he asked me if, you know he called me by my call sign asked me if that's who i was and I got up my uniform was all ragged and he's like just keep doing what you're doing my guys appreciate it and that was that was really cool you know and it's like because i was flying all over afghanistan by myself like fixing things and doing different missions for contractors and stuff and this guy this Fulbright colonel like knew somehow knew who i was i was sitting on a bench outside on the flight line waiting on another helicopter to go to another outpost and this guy just Fulbright colonel just saw me so
0: that must Um, have made your year that's incredible
1: yeah, yeah it was really cool it was really cool so um Great. I know and I don't want to I know we got some I know we're like down in the second here. I wonder if I can make some recommendations for some books here.
0: Please, absolutely. Okay,
1: so so there's there's four books here that have really made a difference in the last two years about business and growth and all that stuff. And I'm just gonna rattle them off real quickly and hopefully people can Google them and find them. All right, so the first one is think and grow rich. Think and grow rich. Uh, by Napoleon Hill, um, you can get the revised 21st century one. It was written a long time ago. It's a really great book. The next one is Traction, <clears throat> Traction. Get a grip on your business. Uh, that's by Gino uh, Wickman. Um, and then uh, Grow by uh, Jim Stingle, uh, Stingle. And then The E Myth, uh, an E Myth Revisited by uh, Michael Gerber. Um, those those four books I've I've read and reread numerous times. I've I've implemented. Um, um, a lot of things from from those books, and, and they they've really helped the company uh, continue to grow, and, and have helped us build a really great platform for for you know continued um, uh, growth and, and success. Um, so it's it, I, I I would be remiss if I did not uh, do do a shout out to those four books.
0: That's great. Uh It sounds like we have very similar libraries based on those four book recommendations.
1: probably do, probably do yeah.
0: yeah well Chris, thank you so much for spending some time with me and sharing your your wisdom and your insights. Uh, I really appreciate it, super impressed with what you've done in in a really short amount of time with with delta um, uh, if If people want to get a hold of you you know for for business or otherwise, what's the best way that they can get a hold of you?
1: Um, just go to our website and fill out the uh, contact form, and then and then uh, myself and, and a couple other people in the company will get the emails. Um, our phone numbers are on there too. Um, leave a leave a voicemail, and and, uh, and we'll call you back. You know the just the overwhelming number of spam emails and, and phone calls I get, I, I I just can't answer every single one that comes through. But um, yeah, you know serious inquiries and things like that. I'll, I'll definitely or people are looking for advice. Um, on stuff, engineers are looking for advice. Young engineers, young entrepreneurs, whatever. Um, and I I say young entrepreneurs. I've only been doing this for two years, but um, you know, if if, if uh, we've we've got a very healthy uh, company here, um, we've got about a 12-month runaway. So so we're doing pretty good. Um, I'm happy to I'm happy to pro bono, you know, talk to people. If, if those if I didn't get a lot of free advice, a lot of good free advice, you know, not all free advice is good. If I didn't get that advice, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I'm, I'm happy to pay it forward. And, uh, and, and
0: do what I can. And the website address is?
1: Uh, it should be delta dev team.com. Delta dev team.com. Great.
0: Yeah, delta dev team. Yeah, delta dev team.com. I'll get you right
1: there.
0: Confirmed. All right. All right, Chris. Well, again, thank you so much. Um, really appreciate you having, uh, spending some time with us. And uh, anything else that, that you want to say before we end?
1: I just really appreciate you having me, really, really flattering, um, and, uh, and, and and maybe do it, do it again next year. So Sounds good.
0: Yeah, we'll make a re- recurring appointment for this. <laughs> yeah. All right. See you later. See ya. I'm Aaron Moncur, founder of Pipeline Design and Engineering. If you liked what you heard today, please leave us a positive review. It really helps other people find the show. To learn how your engineering team can leverage our team's expertise in developing turnkey custom test fixtures, automated equipment, and product design, visit us at testfixturedesign.com. Thanks for listening.